You are listening to the Ditch the Budget podcast, and I'm your host, Heidi Ramore. I'm a wife, a mom of two young boys, and I've spent the last 17 years in financial services as a licensed financial planner, insurance specialist, and debt crusher. My goal is to show you that there's more to life than counting calories and paying bills, and that you truly can get out of debt and build wealth without the restrictive budgets and complicated spreadsheets. So if you're ready to reduce your financial stress and truly live the life of your dreams, then tune in and let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ditch the Budget podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Ramore, and today I'm talking about buying a car. Now, I have to admit that this episode is for my benefit because our vehicle, so we have two two vehicles. My car is my little baby. It was the first car that I felt like I bought intention, and I'll get into what I mean by that in a second. But I bought it really intentionally, and I bought it with my eyes wide open. So I had owned previous vehicles in the past. I had gotten into a little bit of trouble with one car in particular, actually my first car that I owned. And the big reason for that is because I didn't want my parents to be a co-signer on it. I was like 21, maybe 22. I don't even know how old I was, but I was young and, you know, still in university. And I just really wanted my first vehicle to be something that I could just finance on my own. I was working, you know, I really wanted to, so I probably was 22 then. I just really wanted to I don't know, be autonomous and be outside of my parents' shadow and not have them have to co-sign on on the loan for me. So in order to do that, the financing department got very, very, very creative. And at the time, I didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't realize that I was getting put in a situation. And this is no fault of the, the car companies, because I also think that there's an onus on me to make sure that I understand exactly what I'm getting myself into. And I, I really didn't. I was embarrassed that I didn't have the question. I didn't know the questions to ask. I felt really out of my league, knew I didn't want to get taken for a ride. So I trusted what was happening. And essentially what ended up happening was I got put into an eight-year amortization of the vehicle. So paid it off in eight years and I was like, okay, like that's a long time, but I am comfortable with that. What I didn't understand was at the end of the eight years, (laughs) I would still owe a balance because it was put into what's called a balloon loan, which essentially, long story short, it, you make payments, but you still, it's like when you lease a vehicle and you still have to pay for the vehicle afterwards, but it's not a lease. It was a finance. So anyways, it was a balloon loan. I didn't know that by the time my eight years was up, I was super excited not to no longer have a car payment. And lo and behold, I still owed like eight grand on this car, which wasn't even worth it at that point. So I learned my lesson. I really, you know, I, I learned it the hard way, I guess that's the easy way to say it. And so oftentimes when we're, when we're dealing with anything financial, you know, if we're not asking those questions, if we're embarrassed to ask, if we feel any sort of shame or guilt around our financial situation, you know, that really does make us hesitant to ask those questions. And at that time, it wasn't that I was in a bad financial situation. I was making, I had a good job, but I had done some silly things with 
you know, going on trips that I probably shouldn't have and just spending, I had a lot of disposable income working in a restaurant and most of my money being cash. And I just didn't spend it very wisely. I ended up with a lot larger student loan than I needed to have. And so when I got my first job, it was like, you know, the real world really did hit me. And I was embarrassed. I'll I'll just be honest. I was embarrassed. And I didn't really know what where to turn and what to do. And so when I got this car, I was like, yes, I'm finally making like a good big girl decision and and doing this all on my own. And so there was a sense, sense of accomplishment. There was a sense of, I don't know, success, I guess I would say. And so at the end of that term, when I thought I was going to own this vehicle, it, it was a big blow. And I felt all the shame, all the guilt, all the stuff started rushing back. And I just vowed in that moment to fully understand financial decisions. So that, even though I was working in financial services, I was definitely working in a different area and working with insurance and things like that and retirement planning. And so obviously we're not taught how to buy a vehicle and how to do all that. So I, that really did start my journey of how to best buy a vehicle that is a need because I needed a car for work. And I also knew I was very aware that a vehicle is a depreciating asset. So it's a major purchase. It's one of the biggest purchases that we can buy that's going to be a depreciating asset. So I really, I was never a car girl. I'm just being honest here. I was never, didn't really care as long as it got me from point A to point B. And it looked somewhat decent, right? So I didn't really necessarily want to drive a beater. But, you know, I was willing to make concessions for the look of the vehicle. Okay, so that was my balloon loan story. What ended up happening with that is I ended up going and getting another vehicle and rolling that loan into that vehicle, which was really my only option, if I'm being honest, because that vehicle was a used vehicle. It was just not a great vehicle to have a balloon loan on, to be honest, because the longevity of it. And so when I rolled that loan into my next vehicle, which was the vehicle actually before my vehicle now, I was really smart and I was like really aggressive with how I decided to pay that off. Now, the big difference, what I did this time, which is one of going to be one of my tips. Actually, I'm not going to give it away yet. You have to wait. So you have to keep listening. Okay. So I think when we're talking about buying a car, there's a couple of things we need to look at. Are we going to pay for it in cash? Do we have that? For most of us, that's not really an option. And I'll be honest, I don't think that having money just sitting in a bank account is a great idea right now, especially with the cost of inflation. Your money sitting in a bank account, not earning any interest on it is actually losing you money. So every year, especially with, you know, right now inflation is 7.7%, I think was the last I heard it was at. And all that means is that if I had $20,000 sitting in a bank account to buy a vehicle, that money actually can only buy 7% less of a vehicle. So what's that? 20000 See, I need calculators. You do not need to be good at math to know finances, people. So that would be worth a buying power of about 18500 So it's not, it doesn't really make sense, especially with high inflation, to have money just sitting in a bank account. So in my opinion, and again, you need to do your own research. You need to figure out what feels good to you. But paying for a vehicle in cash is, for some of us, not even possible. But for others that might have the, the money sitting in a bank account, I would argue that that money is probably better spent somewhere else. 
So our next two options are to lease or to finance. And essentially knowing the difference is really, really important here. So leasing, in my opinion, is really only going to benefit those that are self-employed, that potentially could have write-offs, that sort of thing. If, you've, if you have an accountant that you work with, and I recommend everyone have an accountant, even don't do your taxes yourself unless you know what you're doing. Um, go see an accountant, pay the money, and don't go to like those shops that just pop up during tax seasons. Like actually go to an accountant that does this year round and work with them. Even if you your taxes are super simple, it, trust me, it will be worth it for you. But talk to them, find out, d- does it make sense for me to lease a vehicle? If I were to lease a vehicle, what does that look like? And what does that mean in terms of my tax write-offs and things like that? So the majority of the time when I'm working with clients, I do recommend that they finance the vehicle. Again, assuming that they're, they don't have that bucket of cash laying around. So when we look at financing, I really think that there's a few rules of thumb to help keep you in a really good financial position, especially because keep in mind, you are buying a depreciating asset. Now, I know in the last 12 months, getting a vehicle has been really crazy. And you've been hearing stories, I'm sure, of, you know, wow, my vehicle is actually worth more than I owe on it. This is highly, highly unusual. And I don't expect this to continue. So don't bank on it, is my point. I, I think it for sure, if it, if it can happen, you can sell your vehicle for more than what you paid for it. Oh my gosh, more of the power to you. But the majority of the time, this asset is going to depreciate. So when you go and buy a vehicle, I need you to do step one, which is really super, super, super important. So I need you to listen up. You have to understand what your cash flow threshold is, I guess I will say. So how much cash flow do you actually have available to spend on a vehicle? And I don't just mean the cost of the vehicle. I mean, what's your insurance? Because certain vehicles cost more for insurance. What is the maintenance going to be on that vehicle? If it's an older, are you buying a used vehicle? Is the maintenance going to be a little bit heavier? You know, what is the gas going to cost you per month? Right now, gasoline is insane here in Canada and I, and I know all throughout the U.S. as well. Do you need winter tires? I live in, a, in an area where I need winter tires. So you need to factor all of these expenses into not just the the monthly cost of your vehicle, but also all the peripheral things that we often don't think of. You need to test that in terms of what income do you have in your other expenses and just really see, can I actually afford this vehicle? Okay, so that's really step number one. You have to understand the total vehicle cost. Don't just fixate on the purchase price of the vehicle. All right, so that's my first tip. My second tip is something that most people don't put aside, and that is a sinking fund for your car maintenance. So I've talked about sinking funds many times before on the podcast, but essentially, you know, we know we need an oil change in our vehicles, you know, especially a gasoline vehicle. I'll be honest, I do not know what maintenance an electric vehicle needs, but I have a a gas car and it needs an oil change. It needs certain maintenance work done on it. The air filters need to get changed. It needs to get flushed out every so often. So just really be aware of what those things are because that is the health of your vehicle. And the last thing you want is to just have your vehicle paid off, brand new vehicle paid off, and then, you know, it break down or something like that. And I fully believe that it's the lack of maintenance that we do on a lot of these vehicles, which is causing a lot of our vehicles not to last as long as they used to. 
Of course, I, I'm sure there's an argument to be made that they're probably not being built in the exact same way as they used to be in the past. Gone are the days where you could drive a vehicle for 30 years and it still, you know, be reliable. However, I also think that we have a lot of power in the longevity that we get out of our vehicles by maintaining it properly. Look at your manual. When was the last time you looked at your manual to see how many times you need to be having that oil change, not just waiting until your oil light comes on? Or, you know, does it need a flush? Does it need a top up of coolant or whatever the case may be? I really don't understand how my vehicle gets maintained. I just know that I take it into the dealer, it gets done, whatever is on the schedule, like clockwork, that's how we run our vehicles. And I really do think that that has helped us um, have a have a good maintenance of our vehicle. So understand what those costs are and create a sinking fund for your car maintenance and put aside, you know, $50 a month, $100 a month so that you can handle the winter tires or the, you know, the oil changes that are going to happen because we know those things are going to happen. We know that we need those things. So we might as well be prepared for it and just have that that account just building up in case something maybe more major happens. So having a car sinking fund, a car maintenance sinking fund is really, really important. My third tip is around if you do decide to finance or even lease is I recommend if you're not paid biweekly, don't finance your vehicle biweekly. It's what it ends up doing is we don't think in terms of biweekly. We think in terms of monthly, especially when we're looking at our money. So if your, let's say, biweekly cost is 25 or $225 a month. Oh my gosh, that'd be awesome. If your biweekly cost is, let's say, $250, right? In our mind, we're going to compute, oh, that's a $500 a month vehicle cost. Well, if you're paying biweekly, it's actually not. It's higher than that. So what is going to happen is you're instead of having 12 payments of $500, you're going to have 26 payments. So not double because you there's 52 weeks, right? So we have to assume that we're going to have 26 vehicle payments. So if I times $250 by 26 and then divide that number by 12, it's actually our vehicles costing us $542 a month if you average out that over the year. So if you're not being paid bi-weekly, then, and you go and finance your vehicle bi-weekly, you need to input the proper numbers. As for in this example, you need to use $542 a month to, you know, budget for your vehicle than just putting in $500 because you're going to end up being short. So an easy way to combat that is just, you know, align it with how you get paid. Think that 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 just makes sense to me. That makes it easy. I really like things that are easy and simple for me to do, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. The fourth tip, and you guys are going to hate me for this one, but this is really really important. Again, is the maximum amount of time that I want you to finance your vehicle over is three years. If it's a stretch, because I understand vehicle prices have really gone up, and if you ha- if you're in a situation where you need to buy a vehicle imminently and you don't have anything saved. Stretching it out to four years is the absolute, absolute max. And there's a big, big reason for this. What I found, and I did the same mistake, is when you finance your vehicle over seven, eight years, what ends up happening is sometimes you end up needing maintenance and your warranty has run out. So your warranty has run out, you end up needing maintenance, and now you're paying still for your vehicle. You don't own it yet. 
So you have these these different factors and these different costs. Whereas if you pay it over three years, if it's a brand new vehicle, for sure, it's still under warranty. So if anything happens, it's not going to be up to you to fix, which is great. And then now your car maintenance fund can really truly just be for oil changes and things like that. And you can allow it time to build up. But then what happens, which is something that's really, really cool, which is kind of like tip number five. So four and five are really connected here is once you finance it over, let's say three years, then you're going to take, you know, the next five, six, seven years, and you're going to continue your car payment, but you're just going to end up putting it aside. So you can put it in a high interest savings account. You can put it in an investment somewhere. You can put it somewhere where you can easily grab it if you need to buy a new vehicle at some point. So I'll give you the the math on it and how it would work. So I just ran this for a client. So this is why I know this. So she financed a vehicle. She had to do it over four years, which was fine. Her vehicle payment ended up being $400 a month. And what happened was at the end or what is going to happen, our planning is once she has finished paying her car off in four years, she's going to continue for the next six years putting that $400 a month aside. She's going to continue her payment as normal because her $400 car payment fits within her cash flow. She's still meeting her financial goals because we've done that planning. And so now we're just going to continue that car payment over the next six years. So now essentially 10 years, you know, owning a vehicle for 10 years is not unheard of. You know, I know we can get distracted by the shiny things. And unless you have something, you know, maybe you have a new baby and you need to buy a new vehicle because your current one isn't big enough. So there's for sure circumstances. But I'm just saying this is our this is our intention is that we're going to save that four hundred dollars a month for the next six years and put it somewhere where it's going to earn us some money. Now, we're going to if it didn't earn a penny, we would have just over like almost twenty nine thousand dollars saved, which is really cool. Now, keep in mind, in those six years, the warranties run out likely the you know our maintenance fund is still there but maybe has fallen short right so you know it, we can't always assume that we're going to use that full that full amount as as a as a down payment on our next vehicle but let's assume you know we're at you know 27,000 for for payments so we had to dip into that 1800 maybe we needed new brakes or something like that okay so we've got now $27,000 saved when we're ready to buy our next vehicle. We're going to do two things when we're ready to buy our next vehicle. We're going to trade in our, vehicle, our current vehicle, which is only 10 years old. So hopefully you can get, you know, some money out of that. If you've, again, if you maintained it and it's been running well. So let's assume a really low amount of $5,000 for that. And then we're going to add that to your savings. So you have $32,000 to now go out and buy a vehicle. So if you were to go and buy a vehicle for, let's say, $45,000, because vehicles are insanely priced right now, you know, you're still looking at that exact same 400-ish a month payment for the next three years. And then we just rinse and repeat. You could also decide not to buy a new vehicle in 10 years and take that $400 and do something else with it. You could decide to drive that vehicle into the ground. Maybe that's a vehicle that you want to, you know, give to your kid or something like that. But now we have this money that's built up that we can now put on another vehicle. So those are my tried and true tips. We did this with our last vehicle. So my my beautiful Stella that's in the driveway right now is 10 years old now. She, you know, we're trying to think of, and hopefully she's not listening, 
because I love her. She has been a very reliable vehicle, but, you know, we've recently had to put some money into her. And I feel like, you know, now is maybe the time or in the next year or two is going to be when it doesn't make sense to continue to put money in. Good news is we have a plan for it. We plan for it. So I think that's the really, really important part is understanding your total vehicle costs and understanding how that fits with your cash flow. If you need help with this, this is what I do help clients do all of the time. You're going to establish a car maintenance fund. You're going to make sure that your payments align with how you also get paid. So if you get paid monthly, then set it up monthly. If you get paid twice a month, try to set it up twice a month. Don't do it biweekly. The next thing you want to do is finance it over three years, you know, stretch for four years, maximum, maximum, maximum. And that might mean you you buy a used vehicle and that's okay. And then number five is you're going to continue your car payment as if it never stopped for the next six years, five or six years to really build up another sinking fund to be able to put money on that next vehicle. So those are my tips. I would love to hear what you think of, of this episode. Take a screenshot of it. Tag me in your stories at Heidi Ramore. I would love to hear from you and good luck buying your next car. Can't wait to see what you drive. Bye, everyone.